Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1489 of the Lawton Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Thursday evening into Friday. And today's show is brought to you by the good folks at Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com slash MBA. When you get there, that's the promo code LawtonMBA. They will throw in a free custom Yeti-style tumbler with each and every order from Bird Dogs. And today's show will be part two with my friend Richard Stamen over at Mavs Draft, covering the NBA Draft at Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast. Part one should be available right now in your feed. So if you missed that, start at the beginning. That would certainly be uh, the recommendation that I would have. But it's a, it's a two-part episode talking about the NBA Draft from the Hawks' perspective. Top of the draft, middle of the draft, etc. Hawks have these two picks that are very, very intriguing. And we have uh, plenty of insight coming from Richard on both part one and part two. So thanks, thanks for listening to the podcast, everybody. I really do appreciate it. And please make us your first listen each and every day. Subscribe to the podcast anywhere you get your podcasts, places like Spotify, Apple, YouTube, etc. And without any further delay, part two is on the way with myself and Richard Stamen talking about the NBA draft. You are locked on Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. We won't dwell on this too much. I don't want to be negative. It's, it's not fun to be negative. But I do want to ask you... Um, You've you've seen enough consensus mocks, all that stuff. Like who is who is maybe a guy that you wouldn't love in Atlanta? That's a reasonable pick that they could make at fifteen. Because I have a couple of guys that I at least and like I said, I wouldn't hate many of these players that are usually in this range. But like if you had to pick one, I'll twist your arm and say you don't like this fit or you don't like the player that much. Anybody that like jumps out to you is like a reasonable guy that could take that you wouldn't love. I I feel like. This is one of those times, like, I don't know if you've watched Seinfeld, but I feel like I have to go the opposite of my gut here because okay. it burned me so bad last year. But I'm going to do it anyways. And last year, Jaden Hardy burned me. I was like, this guy, like, he's too inefficient in the G League. I don't think his game translates. And he's actually been very good for my Dallas Mavs. Now, there's somebody who kind of fits that same mold. Context was bad at where he played, but he's a shooter. He's a 6'4 guard. He has some guard skills, but needs polishing. And that's Nick Smith. Uh, I just I, I think the theory of him is nice, where it's you get this off-ball player, 6'4", 6'5", has growing playmaking ability. But for me right now, I worry because his defense, it comes and goes. I think some of that's injury-related. I'll cut him some slack there. But the pick-and-roll ability, he just he rushed everything. And, yeah, the spacing at Arkansas wasn't great, but he just he looked so confused on how to run a simple pick and roll. And that stuff really worries me for a feel for the game. Like there's a game versus Tennessee. It was just a disaster of a game. And I remember watching and I was like, how is this guy a top 20 player? So I don't have him top 20 personally. I know he's in that mix. You never know with clutch. I think they they generally have a little bit more pool, especially given the Hawks two-star players, if I'm not mistaken, being yep. having clutch ties. So you never know. But I do think there's a lot of risk with him. He might just end up being a six-five off-ball shooter, which I just don't know how much value that has. I've joked about this a little bit on the podcast and off. Like, I think that the Hawks are going to take Nick Smith just to troll me because I, I I like him. I think more than you do in a vacuum, but I don't like the fit very much. Um, I think he would be better off going somewhere besides Atlanta, um, and that doesn't mean he couldn't work in Atlanta. I'm not saying it would be an awful indefensible pick, but of all the guys that I have in my top twenty-ish, I think he's probably my least favorite fit. It's either him or Bryce Sensible of guys that I just don't love in Atlanta. And it's not, it's not because they're bad players. Sensible has, it's the defensive questions and it's kind of the weird, I can, he's a scorer, all that stuff. I'll ask you about him too. But um, I, again, 
I have a hard time really killing anything that they could do within reason. Like I had somebody, I did a, I did a podcast. I was, I was visiting on a podcast actually. And I want to ask you this too. Um, and they asked me who, who I didn't want. And I, I gave an answer. I think I, I think I might have said Nick Smith. And then they said, Hey, uh, what, what do you think about if, if, if the Hawks were the Bobby Clintman promise team? And I was like, Whoa, it blew my mind. Cause I have him like, I have him in the second round. So not, not in a, but like, that'd be one where like, okay, that would probably get me to uh, raise my eyebrows. But like, Beyond anything like that, I'm mean, even again. I, I just said next minute I wouldn't love it. It's it's defensible. Like he's a talented guy. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. Like I, I could see the argument on Nick Smith if it was Clintman. Yeah, same. I have the same reaction you're, that you're having right now. I was like, wait, why not trade? Please, why please not don't trade do this. Right, exactly. And we, at least if you love that guy or you love somebody that you. Okay, so this actually came up today, and I'll I'll throw this at you. Um, Max Lewis worked out for the Hawks. And I, I've heard a little bit that they seem to like Max. I'm not saying that they're tied to him by any means, but I think he kind of checks the boxes they're looking for. I have Max Lewis quite a bit lower than 15 on my board. Not a ton, but like that's a perfect example of a guy where like I, it's it's never as easy as you can definitely move down to so-and-so pick and get the guy and get that guy. But I do think that just taking a guy that I have rated in the mid-20s at 15, not the best process in the world. But again, if they take him, it's like, okay, this is our guy. We like him. Uh, do you like Max Lewis? I don't know. Uh, he's kind of an interesting polarizing guy too. I think he's a little bit further along than I would want for somebody Atlanta. Like Atlanta's just in such a weird position because of the first pick out of the lottery. They, they're they in a window where they're trying to get back to at least the Eastern Conference Finals, right? Like they have a timeline that's now. It's yeah. a very weird window. And with him, he's got a lot to learn defensively. I think the Pepperdine system was pretty rough. It didn't do him any favors. It was is honestly not really not not to like insult it or anything it just wasn't a fluid system especially for someone like him he has to get stronger he averaged more turnovers than assists like mm-hmm. it's a learning process and i just if you're drafting a, a combo guard kind of shooting guard wing for atlanta i don't know if he's the right guy i, I personally would rather have Bryce sensible although he's kind of the same boat yeah how to learn a lot like he has no idea how to play right now but he's super talented I think there's a lot of intrigue. He's got like this super long crossover. It reminds me like it's like the AI level of how far he goes. He doesn't have the AI crossover. <laughs> right. But like I just think things like that are important. He can post guys up. He has a really good feel for the game. He's good offensively, but I just think he's got a lot of ironing out to do. And if you're trying to get him year one, you're going to have a lot of bumps along the way. And I don't know if Atlanta can afford it. Yeah, I'm, I think we're on the same page there. I just was uh, that came up today, and it was uh, on my mind. I'm just throwing a bunch, a bunch of names at you. So, my, my thank you for being versatile, and, and I, I trust you to know all these players, which is great. Um, another guy that I haven't talked about a lot on the podcast, I, I tend to like him, but also acknowledge that uh, a lot of the numbers, like he's not, a, he's not, a, he's not going to be translating well in the analytics. Is Jalen Hutchinson? He seems to be a guy that everyone is split on because his numbers were not good at Indiana, but he is a talented. He's got, he's got good size. What do you make of him and also potentially his fit? Because he was really an on-ball player in Indiana, and he would be obviously less of that in Atlanta if you were to come here. I personally, I love Jalen Hutcherfino. I recently put out a scouting report on him and did my deep dive. I came away just really impressed. I remember watching his game against Purdue where he dropped 35 points. There was a pick-and-roll maestro against arguably the – I mean, not arguably. I think he was the player of the year, Zach Eady. Like yep. a giant with a 7'10 wingspan, he killed him in the pick-and-roll. And for me, that stuff matters a lot. He used a lefty floater, which I'm an absolute sucker for the offhand <laughs> floaters. Like, that's the stuff I love. I think he's got really good defensive upside. He needs to get a little bit more discipline. He jumps at a lot on the perimeter. Could have been an Indiana thing. I've been going back and forth. 
about if that actually was him or if that was Indiana. The one thing that worries me offensively, and I, but I want to preface this, he, he has such a good floater that I don't think this matters, is the finishing is alarming. The numbers mm-hmm. aren't good at, on the year, just looking at his shot chart. Uh, he shot 49% of the rim, not good. And then on top of that, he just he doesn't get much lift. Like the athleticism when he goes to the rim, I don't. I think he might have only had like one or two dunks in the half court all year. So that's alarming. And he's six five, six six. Should be a lot higher in college basketball. That's the one concern for me is just how can he counter that athleticism to the rim? Do you think that um, he fits better on a team that has a primary like Trey, where he doesn't have to have that responsibility? Because that's something I was talking about with, with somebody the, the other day. It's like, do you want him to be more on the ball, or is it better when he's like he's definitely not the primary? Like in Atlanta, he would not be obviously under any circumstances. Maybe maybe off the bench he would be if Dejounte whatever in the future. But as long as Trey's there, he's not going to be given that responsibility. Yeah, I mean, he can play off ball just fine. I think that's something where it needs a little bit more tweaking, mm-hmm. but. I mean, he shot 78% from the line. I'm a hardcore believer. Free throw percentage is way better of an indicator than three-point percentage. And he shot 33% from three. So it's not like awful. Just room for improvement. And I think for him, he's just better. Like I said, if you just keep him 10 feet out and more as a guard, for the most part, when he has the ball in his hands, he's fine. And he can probably like get better at spotting up next to Trey. I think he can thrive really as that your turn, my turn, almost off like – Actually, we need you to do it like just an improv guard, if that makes sense. Like if Trey or DeJounte gets trapped, Joe and Hutchifino can step up. Today's show is brought to you by Bird Dogs, and Bird Dogs is fantastic, bringing comfort, fit, and versatility to the table with their products. I feel great and comfortable in my own skin when wearing Bird Dogs gear, and Bird Dogs stretch khaki shorts are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg, give you that sculpted look you're looking for, and they fit much better than regular shorts. They're, make, they're actually made sometimes of that stiff, restricting cotton. Bird Dogs also fix that issue by inventing their cloud-knit fabric. It looks just like khaki, but also stretches, giving you that slimmer fit without having to sacrifice anything when it comes to movement. They also have the anti-sweat wicking fabric that you're looking for to keep you cool and dry all day long, and in the end, Bird Dogs makes incredible products. You're going to want to check that out by going to birddogs.com slash LockedOnNBA. When you get there, use that promo code LockedOnNBA at Bird Dogs. If you use that code, they'll throw in a free custom Bird Dogs Yeti-style tumbler with each and every order. And one more time, the place to find everything you need in this space is birddogs.com slash LockedOnNBA. I have to admit, this guy was not really on my Hawks radar a ton. He was on my long list but um, actually, as we're talking today, uh, the, the most recent ESPN mock and ESPN, you know, it's Intel, it's come and go, whatever it is. But they talked about um, this guy and, and the Hawks. So I got, I got questions about him. And I was like, I'm talking to Richard today. I'm going to ask him. Uh, Noah Clowney is uh, a guy that I have in my top 25-ish. But as an interesting player, like, is he a big? You know, he's listed at 6'10", I think like, you know, 210, something like that. He's pretty skinny. Is he a big? Is he a, Is he just a four? Um Talented guy, Alabama. Obviously, not, he's not been in the spotlight because Alabama was Brandon Miller for the most part. But um, an interesting player, lots of uh, intrigue as an athlete. But uh, what do you make of him overall? And also, like, do you th- see a path for Atlanta? Because uh, that fit didn't ever occur to me as like a very clean one. But maybe it worked. Yeah, I I worry there's a little bit too much overlap with like Okongwu a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say him being next to Charles Bediaco at Alabama really helped him as a defender. But for the most part with him, he, he, he slumped from shooting. I mean, he just had a rough patch outside of, I mean, just cherry picking the numbers. He played 36 games. There was one 14-game stretch from the last game of January to middle of March 
again, very cherry picked, but it's enough to kind of highlight, Hey, the shooting isn't all bad. It was honestly just an insane cold streak. I mean, he, he missed like 20 straight threes, I think in the middle of January. And then <laughs> after that, the next, it was the next 14 games. He shot 37 and a half percent from three and 73% from the line. So like there's a lot of real indicators that he can actually stretch the floor. But what I love about him is just, he has every intangible you want from a big, he tries incredibly hard. He's long, he's athletic enough at the rim. Like he can, he can contest shots very well. He has the motor. I, I just, he has an incredible feel as a rebounder to average seven rebounds a game as a two big power forward. Like when you got yeah. a, a rebound in college basketball, like that's really impressive. His nose for the ball. It just wowed me. I really don't usually care about rebounding. I generally think it's a, an overstated stat just because I mean, half the feels like half the time. It's just like, everybody's already back on defense, but I really think in college that stuff matters more and rebounding translates. I think he's somebody who, if you're willing, if you think Capello or a Kongwu was in there last year in Atlanta, he's a really good insurance call. And honestly, I've heard that, that Noah Clowney is going higher than everywhere in the mock has him. Yeah, so, I, I was, uh, yeah, that, that makes sense because, you know, I got questions from people today that saw that ESPN mock. They were like surprised he was that high. And I'm like, I actually hear that's a reasonable range for him. I just wasn't thinking about him as like a, a super hoxy fit, but maybe maybe it would be if, if they were planning to do something, some differences in the, in the front court. You know, I floated. I don't know if he's going to be available either. He might go to the team that you uh, that you cover the closest, the Mavs. Um, Derek Lively's a guy that's like I've mentioned. Like if they have a plan to trade Capella, you could take him if he falls to you. Um, I don't think he, I don't, number one. I I would guess he doesn't fall to fifteen at this point. And but it, it's it's kind of a the Hawks are an interesting position where. There are basically no cross-offs because the only thing that, that the, I've said the Hawks couldn't really draft is a small, no defense point guard. And those guys aren't really in this. They don't have, there's nobody in that, in this draft that's like that. So it's like the only other spot where they could just avoid is, is a center. But if they are planning on moving on from Capella, they could draft a center. They could draft a big, that wouldn't be too weird to me because, you know, best player available, especially. So, um, yeah, Clowney's just a guy I hadn't considered too much for the Hawks. Like I've watched him a ton, but like now it seems like okay, that might be a reasonable fit if they if they just think he's the best player and he might be. Yeah, I I don't know if Lively would be Lively would be an interesting guy. I actually think he'd be a good fit in Atlanta. He's one of those guys where Atlanta's actually a good spot because you can develop him for a year while you're yeah. finishing out the Capella slash Congo experience too. I think that'd or, be or, yeah, or you just wait. I mean, again, like. For me to take Lively, you'd have to – A, he has to fall to you. B, you have to think he's the best player. Um, and, and I do think that it would be a tough sell if they went into the season with Capella, Akongwu, and your first-round pick as a 7-1 center. That's kind of a tough sell. But this is a team that doesn't have to have their first-round pick play. In fact, he probably won't play very much. It was a surprise to everyone how much Griffin played last year. It's because he was so good. If he had not been as good as he was, he wouldn't have played very much. Jalen Johnson was a good example of that the year before. He didn't play really at all. So this is a team that can kind of afford, if they feel like a guy is just the guy they want, they don't have to worry about this year very much, which means that kind of unlocks some stuff. Like if a guy is far away, if they are sold on him, like I had someone ask me today about, about Bilal, Kulabuli, however you say his last name. I can't, I can't pronounce his last name, but he might be gone too. Like he, he is skyrocketing by all accounts. Is he, I mean, he's 18 years old right now. He's going to be 19 soon, but um, Ryan repair like there are guys who are maybe not going to help you right away but the Hawks don't have to have a guy that helps right away it's an interesting spot yeah and, and especially for those in, two international guys 
Kulabali and Repair. Yeah. You know, both of them, they offer a lot of defense right away. Like uh-huh. you see that in the off ball threat. I think both can be good cutters. Shots you kind of got to live with, but they both have point guard skills. Like those are perfect examples. Like I really do think if you put five guys in a bucket and said, all right, all these guys are not going to contribute a ton right away, but we're confident we could get incredible return on our investment with these guys. I mean, it's Bilal, Repair, Lively, Whitehead, and Bobby Clinton. Like you said, if you really want to get fun with it, <laughs> he'd be the fifth one because he's not ready for the NBA just yet. Yeah, I mean, that, maybe that makes it a little bit more interesting because they just I, – I, I know that fans would hate it, but if the Hawks were just kind of open with it, like, hey, we, we love this guy, but we're not going to put pressure on him to play right away, I understand that as a, as a thought process. And especially in the NBA with where the Hawks are, there is some freedom in not having to draft for need. They don't have a huge glaring need other than just general defense, which they do They do need that on the perimeter. They don't have positional need They have to that they have to check – and that, for me, is a good spot to be. Like, it, it, it makes it hard for people like us to project who, like, who they're going to take. But there's freedom to just be like, hey, guys, our, the best guy that we think is on this board, we're taking him. We don't care if he plays next year. And uh, good luck with that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I really do think that's a luxury. Like, a lot yeah. of teams can't do that. Dallas, for example, they have to find somebody who can help them both now and long term, which right. is why I don't think Live Weed's necessarily their guy. And – being where Atlanta is, like you hit in the draft last year, you're playing in, in a way with house money, but also, again, because this team underperformed or not. But, like, in terms of just talent on the roster, you are playing with house money. Today's show is brought to you by FanDuel. You can make a fast break to FanDuel during the NBA playoffs because right now FanDuel customers get a no-sweat first bet of $2,500. Yes, that's $2,500 back in bonus bets. If your first bet does not win at FanDuel, they also have great promotions each and every day at FanDuel and that you can get paid instantly when you happen to win. The app is safe and secure, and FanDuel has every time betting angle that you're looking for that you honestly could possibly want. They cover the whole range of sports that you might enjoy, including the NBA, the WNBA, football, baseball, golf, tennis, soccer, auto racing, horse racing, and much more. And they have all the wagering options you're looking for as well. They have live betting, futures, player props, point spreads, totals, money lines. If you're looking for it, they have it at FanDuel. And there's no better place in the world to find all you, what you're looking for in the NBA playoff action space than America's number one sportsbook. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on right now to get a no sweat first bet. It's $2,500. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, official sports betting partner of the NBA. Before I get you out of here and you give me a lot of time, so I appreciate it. I do want to ask you about some second round guys because uh, not everyone knows enough about prospects to go deep into the second round. The Hawks have the 46th pick. That's a real pick. It's not a fantastic one, but it's one they could use. They, they could utilize. They got pretty lucky with the way the Pelicans pick landed, long story short. Um, but, you know, the Hawks have not had huge success with second round picks, but there are some guys in this draft that would be good there. So even beyond the Hawks, do you have a favorite second round sleeper? I know you mentioned a couple guys at the top of the, at the top of this discussion, but guys that could reasonably get to forty six would be uh, even more impressive. But who do you, who do you love this deep? Yeah, there's. I'll just give three guys who I really yeah. like. I mean, Keontae Johnson. There's there's some off court stuff with his heart. I know there was. Yeah. Uh, I know he's cleared, and then also uh, potential charges against him. But uh, if you're just looking at the on court player, he's a little bit older because of that heart issue. He was he had basically a two year hiatus. Um, he collapsed on the floor in 2020, came back this last year and absolutely killed it at Kansas State. Didn't drop off. He developed better in the last two years. He's got an explosive first step. He's about 6'5", with a seven-foot wingspan, super long, athletic, like just freakishly athletic, can really shoot the ball. 
I think he's somebody who on the wings is a great, great value in the second round. Um, I would have said Jordan Walsh, but I, I think he's out of that range. Yeah, I, I'm so sad about that because like he is he is basically catnip for me. I have all you know, he, a defensive wizard. He's extremely long. But yeah, I'm kind of sad. I think I think he's going to be gone. That's unfortunate because I, I was I was excited about that potential. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and then I like Jalen Slauson out of Furman. Mm-hmm. He's somebody who he made a name for himself in that NCAA tournament win over Virginia. To me, he's a more athletic Kyle Anderson. Uh, same a little bit of the shot concerns, but he gets his man up in the air really well for somebody who doesn't shoot that much. And I really like that. And then somebody else who I really like, this is just kind of filling a role. So forgive me. I know that you guys just drafted AJ Griffin, but kind of like you can't never, you can never have too many guards that can create their own shot and create for others. You can never have too many shooters. It's the same thing in baseball. You can never have too many pitchers. Like it's just something you cannot run out of. And to me, Seth Lundy out of Penn State is that guy. I've loved his game since he was a freshman. He was somebody who I thought would develop quicker. But when I talked to him at the Combine, I was blown away. And I asked him, I said, you know, you've been inconsistent as a shooter, just read his percentages over the years. And he's like, I know, I know. And I told him, I'm like, well, free throw percentage was always strong. So the shooting was going to get there. What did you do to take that jump and be a 40% shooter this year? And he goes, you know, personally for me, when we – left the year we were like what do we all need to do to get better and it started with him he's like as a leader i told my team i will become a better shooter and on top of being the defender he was last year which he was a good defender if you watch this year it kind of fell off i think a lot of it had to do with the volume and the role he played but he just really took on that responsibility of saying i need to be a better shooter i will do everything it takes he told me about his process of going into the gym at the dirty hours when nobody else was there doing what he had to do to get better as a shooter. And I really like it. And the results are there. It's the same thing I asked Herb Jones when he went from 7% to 35%. And it's just that work ethic is strong. I think it's something that's justifiable, repeatable. Seth Lundy could be a steal at 46. Yeah. He's on my list too. I'm a big fan of his. Another, uh, another, I think basically offense only guy. I like Julian Strother at that, at this level. Um, He can't play defense, (laughs) but he can shoot. He can shoot and he can score. I, I, I have uh, my friend Jackson Frank who's been on this podcast before, uh, covered Gonzaga closely, went to Gonzaga. And he's like, I like him if you don't have to play defense. And it's like, yeah, I mean, but at 46, you're just trying to find somebody that could be your, your ninth man in the future. And he could probably do that. I, think. I recently just moved him up into my first round grade because he's oh, such really? a lights out shooter and he's yep. intelligent and he's got good size. I'm not even going to try and overthink it because I did this last year with a couple guys and I, I truly think his shot is so fast. And yeah, again, you you may not get him as much on the playoffs, but, but Duncan Robinson's out here. Like, well, and, and it's it's a second round pick too. I mean, I I I am certainly someone who who loves defense, and I emphasize that. <laughs> but at forty six overall, if you can get if you can get a guy that has an NBA skill that can play rotation minutes for you two years from now, that's a really really good outcome. The Hawks have not found. I said this before, but the Hawks have not had a second round pick play real minutes for them in 10 years it's mike muscala was the last time that the hawks hit on a second round pick so like it's not easy to do and if you can get any kind of value out of second round picks one skill is enough in, in a lot of ways yeah you're not drafting a second round to be your in the playoff rotation like you're happy if they're a regular season contributor that is a win yeah i i was i actually was really high on ben shepherd and now he's going to be gone it seems that's a guy that i was like oh maybe a, he's pretty hawksy in a lot of ways i was like oh this is gonna be interesting and now he's probably gonna go like 32 or something he's but that's a, a, a it's it's kind of a uh encouraging to me i'm like i like that guy and now he's gonna go in the top 35 it seems so that's it's maybe a little pat on the back like oh, okay you're seeing something that's reasonable um 
anybody we haven't talked about, I mean, I guess we can even honestly, while I have you, anybody even deeper than that, that you're thinking is like a two, like an interesting two way guy or an interesting uh, UDFA, because I mean, every team is going to be looking for more of these guys with three two way contracts now. I mean, the Hawks are going to have spots open. Anybody that you think might, might not even be draftable um, or maybe not, not in the top 50 that you like? Yeah, I'll just – these guys are all in my 59 to 65 range, and I think Perfect. they're a little bit lower on every other person's board. But um, I like Serge Jabari Rice from UT. He's somebody – I think mm-hmm. he has the single best pump fake of all time. <laughs> just search Mavshraft uh, Jabari Rice. You don't need to type Sir. It'll throw some stuff off. But if you just type in Mavshraft Jabari Rice, that's all you got to find. It is insane. I've, I've never seen anything like it. He got Kevin McCuller, who's arguably the best defender in the country – up in the air so many times like he is a stud with that regard he can shoot the lights out very intelligent he's a good passer mistake free he's a little bit small but i like him adam flagler had a bad combine yes adam Adam flagler i just i think combine whatever he didn't he didn't stand out it's not necessarily his environment i really do think he's somebody who he can create off the dribble he can shoot Look, he can be I, i i know he told me he's like bryn forbes and i was like i told him straight up i go Aim higher. You could be Tim Hardaway Jr. Like, yeah, you're an inch or two shorter. You could easily just be that guy who steps into shots. And then lastly, I really like Hunter Tyson from Clemson, 6'8 shooter. It's very simple. Uh, Just simple evaluation. I'm not going to overthink other things. He's a good rebounder. I like him a lot. He rose. He went from Portsmouth to the G League Elite Camp to Combine. He played well every single one of those. Same with Serge Barry Rice. But I really do like those kind of guys. I think that there's value to them. And especially at 6'8, again, being a shooter, Shooter. Yeah, I, I saw Tyson got, I think he's number 50 overall on the ESPN board now. So he, he's come, he's, he's risen a long way. So I think you're on something there. I will always disclose this. My brother coached Adam Flagler in high school. So I am, I'm, I'm in the oh, tank yeah. for, I'm in the tank for Adam Flagler already, but I, I, I buy it. I try not to be biased. He, I am way more biased about Adam Flagler than I am about Jed Howard or uh, Kobe Bufkin. I'm way more in on Adam Flagler than Michigan guys. Obviously, he's not as good as those guys, but I have to just say it out loud because just to not compromise my integrity, I love Adam Flagler. So I forgot he's from Georgia. So that makes he, sense. Uh, my brother, yeah, literally coached him. Still texts him sometimes. Like I, you know, if he if he gets up on the Hawks, I'm gonna have to like check myself a little bit. Like, hey, I, I know that guy. Um, anyway. Thank you for all the time. If you want to throw out anybody else, feel free to do that. If not, I will let you get out of here, but please plug everything you're doing. I know you are everywhere in the draft space and uh, this is crunch time with two weeks to go. Yeah, no, no, no. You got a flight to catch. I'm not going to, I'm not going to say anything <laughs> else. Thank you so much for having me pretty much just plugging anything. Uh, I want to have you on a community mock one of the final two weeks here. Happy to pick me for Atlanta. And I do this every single week. New ones coming out in just a few days. Um, I'm unlocked on NBA big board. There's a lot to like. Yeah, follow uh, follow Richard's work across the board. Uh, we've been circling doing this for a while, and uh, that's mostly my fault. But I, I do appreciate you coming on, giving me a bunch of time, uh, especially prime time. Again, two weeks to the draft, so thank you for doing this. I really do appreciate it. And uh, subscribe to Watson Media Big Board. This is a uh, it's a crossover event, I guess, on some level where it's internal. It's how we how they say it horizontal teasing. I think is the way that they uh, say it behind the scenes. So yeah, go ahead and do that. Uh, also subscribe to this podcast. I appreciate everybody listening to the show. I'll see y'all next time.